Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstruck Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man Cody. How are you doing tonight, my friend? We are doing pretty swell. Pretty swell late night here for the Overreaction Pod crews. We're getting this one out to y'all. There is no Monday Night Football games anymore, so we don't have to go directly from a game. It gives us a little bit more time to prep and everything like that, which is nice at this point of the season. But we've only got one more football game for the rest of the 2023 slash 2024 season. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate time, kind of, because I'm, I'm going to miss football for a while. We've got the UFL kicking off in March, but, you know, I, I don't think that's the same going to be the same level of competition. It's kind of sad that we've only got one game left, but it is our Super Bowl. It is going to be Chiefs back in there again, much to the chagrin of pretty much all of the NFL conspiracy theorists <laughs> on Twitter from or X, whatever you want to call it. So at this point, we still don't really know, but it's it, it's going to be a fun one. Obviously, the 49ers in there. Rock out with your Brock out season is in full swing. I am there. Number one hype fan on the train. It is an awesome time. <laughs> Will be an awesome game, but uh, I would have I would have loved to see probably either one of the Ravens or uh, Lions in this game. Unfortunately, we do have the uh, all red out uh, repeat from what was it, 2019 season whenever the Chiefs really started their dominant run that we've seen over the past five or six years here now. So it'll be a fun game. I uh, don't know if you have anything more to talk about on that or if we can get into some of the other stuff that's happening around the NFL. We've got the Senior Bowl kicking off. Draft starts at Mobile kicking off as well. It's a fun time in fantasy football and just football in general. Just even though the season is winding down, there's a lot of other things ramping up. Yeah, I mean, we have a whole two weeks, I guess, until the actual Super Bowl itself. So we have a, a show next week. We'll we'll do a little Super Bowl breakdown and, and our thoughts on that one. So, yep, uh, we got the Chiefs. We got the 49ers, two of the best teams in the NFL, no doubt about it. And I think, you know, we get the we get the Super Bowl that some people wanted last year when Brock Purdy did get hurt. Now we get the answer to what happens if Brock Purdy wasn't hurt? So, uh, yeah, that's great. Taylor Swift's going to be on TV. He's probably going to ruin Usher's halftime show. Lots of fun stuff there. So it, it'll get the best ratings in history just because the Swifties will be in full effect. But, uh, yeah, nothing really to touch on there. The big news this week is the Senior Bowl. Absolutely, positively, the Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl. And we got the full crew in Mobile at the Senior Bowl this week 
Jay Rich, Ray, Scott, all in town, really in person interviewing, getting getting to see these these players face to face. It's been some of the my favorite experiences in Destination Devi was this time just last year, actually. And Ray coming in after practices, talking about some of the things that they saw, he, you know, some of the you know coaches because you get to talk to the coaches like when you're there, you get like this, this FaceTime with these coaches that are actually there scouting. What are they looking for? What do they see? What are they loving and what are they not liking about certain players? So it's like it's a lot of fun to be in there. So again, destinationdebbie.com. This is the time to be a part of the community. This is the offseason. This is where you win your fantasy league. This is really where you get your leg up. And it starts this week in Mobile. So destinationdebbie.com or patreon.com forward slash all gas find the tier that's right for you and if you're in the heisman and dti5 tier you will get access to all the content creators you'll get voice chat where ray and scott are going to come in after hours give you updates on these practices things that they're seeing behind the scenes looks of what's going on make sure you are following both scott ray and jay rich on twitter so that you can tap into all three of them as they're at the senior bowl dropping knowledge sending pictures dropping tweets about what's going on you have to be tapped in this week. It starts right now. So a lot of big names there this week, too. If you want to know just like how degenerate that entire group is, how degenerate we are, how degenerate <laughs> all of that group that you just talked about is, it was 11 o'clock central time on a Monday night. And there were like 30 people in the Heisman Discord just eating up all of the knowledge and everything that we're going to see for the rest of this week. Even if you aren't a person who plays in like dynasty, I don't know why exactly you're listening to this podcast, but there's still some good information (laughs) just to hear about normal NFL football talk. I think we do a pretty good job covering, trying to cover both sides, but obviously we're definitely a more dynasty Debbie focused pod and pod and stream and everything like that. So, but there's so much more information that you can get out of the senior bowl as well, because it is all of the NFL execs, all of the NFL big wigs are there. They're all sitting down. They're all going to the bar out at night and they're all just talking in NFL football. You'll probably hear, we've already started to hear like Justin Fields rumors leak from the senior bowl as well. Like, Everything NFL is going on all at one place, all gathered together in one single area. Absolutely sounds like an awesome time and definitely want to go there at some point in the future. But draft starts in Mobile. It is NFL draft season. Doesn't even matter that Super Bowl still has to start up. We are hyped for so many other things other than that Chiefs and 49ers rematch. Absolutely. Again, we, we've been talking about this over the past few weeks. Like This is our favorite time of year, uh, really diving into the 2024 class and beyond. And this is where the weekend that it starts. You obviously have the underwear Olympics coming up, but this is the week that, and in fact, you have a lot of really big names this weekend too at the Senior Bowl. Like last year, there were some good ones and, and, and you know, not hating on the past, you know, uh, classes past of the Senior Bowl. But Man, like this year, like just looking at the the position by position, like obviously you have Joe Milton, Michael Penix, Michael Pratt's a big name that's been popping up. We have Spencer Rattler, who was a Debbie darling from years ago, and it's like he's finally there. Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, like you have all of these quarterbacks running back wise. uh, Unfortunately, Jalen Wright's not going to be participating, but, um, you know, we are going to get to see some Ray Davis. Like he weighed in looking like, you know, MJD, Maurice Jones Drew of years past. So it's like when you got a 5'8", 220 running back out there yeah he might be 25 years old but you know I'm, I'm intrigued i'm intrigued to hear what happens but marshawn lloyd's gonna be out there so really excited to, to see how he does rasheen ali again just in a different setting when you get to see really their skill sets uh you know setting the table for for what their future success could be this is an interview for all of these guys these are their this is their chance to really impress 
teams, both on the field, but also off the field with their interviews and, and just really what their personalities are. So uh, it's it's a really cool experience. But man, uh, I, I'm pumped for the wide receiver class. I think everyone is and this wide receiver class at the Senior Bowl. I'm just going to list some names if you don't mind me rolling here. Oh. But Javon Baker, Malachi Corley, Jacob Cowing, like you have all of those names. I'm obviously personally invested in Luke McCaffrey because Nebraska wanted him to convert to wide receiver years ago. Finally did it for Rice. And, and now he's out here, you know, getting being a little, you know, Jacoby Myers-esque uh, converting. And he almost had a thousand yards receiving last year. But he's a six foot, you know, 200 pound wide receiver. Then you have Xavier Leggett. He did measure in a little shorter than usual, but 6'1", 223. Like, there's some big dudes here. Nia Smith gets to go out there. Tez Walker. Um, Johnny Wilson. I'm so interested in him because I'm curious if he's going to actually, you know, practice with tight ends because these coaches are going to get to have their input. Like, I wonder if this is the week we actually start to see that. But Brendan Rice, Ricky Pearsall, Lad McConkey, like, there's a ton of really good wide receivers and other players that, you know, I'm not even mentioning that are going to be, uh, you know, big names of interest, um, man. And that's just, we're again, I'm focusing on fantasy. There's obviously great offensive line, defensive players out there. Uh, so again, super excited to see those one-on-one -on -one matchups. I mean, this is really where we saw last year with, you know, um, Tank Dell. I bring up Tank Dell all the time yep. just because that was the one that like literally corners were like, nah, I'm good. When it came to one-on-ones, they did not want to line up against Tank Dell. And that's where it really first started, and you started to hear the buzz about Tank Dell. So I'm so excited for this week, man. Obviously, I just rambled on there, but uh, anything you're looking forward to in particular with uh, with the Senior Bowl? No, but that that like what you just said there, that was inside information that we got from our guys being at the Senior Bowl, and we would yep. not have had that information. I mean, you can get it by just crowdsourcing the following all 700 people who are going to be at the Senior Bowl, but it's very nice when you have people that you can trust and people that you reliably trust in of what their reality of the situation is going on on the field. And it was that tank Dell was absolutely, like you said, just burning everybody. Nobody wanted to guard him. So senior bowl does give us all of that. I, what my separation is from this class to potentially classes in the past, it's the quarterback game that we have here. You went through all those quarterbacks that we do have. There's so many guys who could potentially be first round overall draft picks at quarterback position in the senior bowl. We don't normally have that. I mean, we've had like the Malik Willis hype up from a couple of years ago. That was like one of the best quarterbacks that we've had in the senior bowl over the past couple of years. Normally you don't have this. And I think it is a little bit probably due to COVID NIL, whatever the case, but it's fantastic to see because it makes the wide receivers look better. It makes the offenses run better. It makes the quarterbacks themselves actually have competition to actually have to go on the field and produce against each other for absolutely fantastic year for the senior bowl. Cannot wait to watch these games. Because, man, sometimes in the past, whenever you get some of those quarterbacks in there, they the offense does have legitimately no chance of moving. And I don't think we have that this year. So it'll be really fun to watch the game this week and get all the storylines coming out throughout the Senior Bowl this entire week. I will say one uh, one last thing on that note. And, and yes, like the quarterbacks are going to be super exciting. Um, but, but yeah, you have guys that are out here impressing, but you also have juniors that were invited for the first time to the senior yep. bowl. So, uh, just really overall going to be a lot of fun to, to really catch what's going on in mobile and no better way to do it than to be part of destination Debbie. So can't say that enough. 
destinationw.com, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Find the tier that's right for you, but you got to be in that Heisman DTI five tier in order to make sure you are or destination five. I believe is the actual tier that it's called to make sure that you are able to have access to all the content creators, get, get into these voice chats, check out the, the, the stages and the AMAs that are, that are going on over the next week and beyond because this, it starts this week with mobile, but it's going to keep continuing on through the, uh, through the draft process and uh, all the way up into the NFL draft. So have to join. This is your time. But uh, yeah, we do have other stuff to jump into. Anything else you want to touch on before we we turn over? No, I, I just uh, as as you were talking through that one, one thing popped to my mind. The draft starts in Mobile. Dynasty Fantasy Football does not start in Mobile. Dynasty Fantasy Football <laughs> for the Destination Debbie crew and the DTI 5 crew, that started years ago, and it ain't freaking stopping. So uh, just uh, that one popped in my head, and I was like, oh, that's a good one. Got to put it out on wax. And now yeah, you know, I'm talking through it, and it's probably not nearly as good. But I had to do it. And as we transition into what's this actual show going to be, it's probably going to be mostly talking about head coaching positions and head coaching uh, coaching vacancies and the positions that have been filled over the past week, kind of a round two of what we did from the recap of last week. But before, there was one player news that really stuck out that just dropped a couple of hours ago, and that's TJ Hawkinson. He just had his surgery to repair his ACL. They also said his MCL was potentially torn, and that's why they waited five weeks to do the surgery for the ACL. I don't fully understand how you just like don't repair the MCL if it was torn, but apparently, according to our fan, our uh, our PT Jeff Mueller, you don't have to do the surgery on the MCL. It is just the ACL that has to be repaired. The MCL is going to be fine, but it does now contribute to a multi ligament tear. He's definitely he's almost a guarantee to go on pup at the start of the year, and he's probably not going to be playing till like week eight. And then you have the ramp up and getting back to full speed acclimation once that happens. TJ Hawkinson is almost a wash for the entirety of the 2024 year, unfortunately, from what it looks like right now. And that brings up Josh Oliver right now, who's on their death chart or potentially I, I assume they're going to bring in somebody else who's going to serve a small role, uh, but it won't be TJ Hawkinson. And that that's a detriment to this entire offense, whoever the quarterback's going to be probably a boost to Addison and Jefferson, but um, anything else you have on this TJ Hawkinson news that definitely was unfortunate. I thought he had a surgery like three weeks, three, four <laughs> weeks ago. And it was a surprise to me to see that one come across the timeline today. Yeah. With what I think it was seven months, 11 days till week one and usually an eight month recovery timeline. So you're, you're talking that's on a clean ACL. Yeah, that's, it is a multi-ligament ACL MCL. I mean, it was just an ACL repair or, or surgery. So, like, I'm going to, I'm even if we're just going to say eight months, like, you're still talking missing the first four weeks of the season at a minimum, at a minimum. And then, like you said, there's, there's uh, the potential that it's going to take even longer just because it is. There was, you know, some additional damage in there. I don't know what I'm doing with, I don't have a ton of TJ Hawkinson in Dynasty. I, I did get rid of a lot of my TJ Hawkinson last offseason as the, the, the hype exploded. I don't know if I'm, I guess this is probably a buy opportunity for like my tanking teams. Like maybe if you have yourself a, a tight end that you're willing, but but it's still tied in. Like, I just don't care enough. Like I, I just don't, that, that's the thing is like, I just don't care. And you're probably not going to be able to make a move for that type of thing until the season rolls around anyway, because people are still going to value him so highly. So I don't know if there's really a lot to do fantasy wise. If you can find someone that's panicked on him or is, is really worried, then, then great. But I'm not really sure what kind of trades you could actually get done for TJ Hawkinson at this point to buy low 
I don't really know that question, the answer to that question either, but he's tight end two on KTC. Yeah. I did not realize yeah. that, to be honest. Um, you're telling me he's going to be up for 2024. I'm putting him below. I mean, we're going down the board here. It's it's below the David and Joku Evan Ingram range for me. If I'm actually having to rank him for where I would actually pay for for a guy who's in my mind not going to give me anything for 2024. No, I, you know, I'm. 90% of my teams, I'd rather have Evan Ingram. Um, yeah. yeah, if you if you have any, and you can still get tight end two prices. I, th- I think that's an AD fee, uh, artificial dynasty value player right there. And uh, the thing on KTC that's not reflective of the actual market consensus. But man, uh, you, you can get out for anything. <laughs> Straight swapping like Andrews or Mc- paying up a little bit for McBride. Anything that you can do to get off of that at that price, if that's actually legitimate in your dynasty league right now, I would fully trying to do that yeah i think uh, it's one of those things where you can't like go down a tight end because everyone's going to look at it and be like well you know why would i want to give up my evan ingram for for a guy that may be out three quarters of the year or have at least a you know injury production so it's going to be a tough move to make today but if you can make some cross positional moves things like that you might be able to get the value that you're looking for versus tearing down uh just because of the injury but uh target you know target those tanking teams target those teams that you know when you look at them you're like they're they're not ready for 2024 like maybe that's an opportunity for for you to find a, a target that's pretty much it for for tj hawkinson for me right now not really any interest in in acquiring him unless people are like trying to dump him. It's just you're not going to find that happy balance. Yeah, people are definitely not much. definitely not tied into prices. No, okay, no. Uh, put a one in front of that, and maybe Ooh. I'll start to acquire some on the few tanking teams that we're <laughs> really just leaning into fully. Uh, but yeah, not not a player that I'm really interested in having on any of my teams at this point. If I can actually get commensurate market value of what the consensus is telling me right now so let's get into the uh let's get into the main beef of this show and that is the head coaching hirings that have been happening over the past week or so um we're started off let's start it off in the nfc south almost at afc south for the falcons but raheem morris going to become a head coach again in atlanta Bringing along Zach Robinson from the LA Rams, it looks like this is going to be a team that probably resembles a lot like what the Rams were going to be. And you have a situation where you have everything in place but that quarterback, right? Um, so can they find their Matthew Stafford? Could it be a guy like Kirk Cousins or something? I've I've loved that one from the moment Atlanta has opened up. I've never been the Justin Fields to Atlanta guy. And I don't think that this move would make that actually into a reality either they this these two as they have been playing here they they don't have a rushing quarterback profile history and i know that that's a newer thing in the league and raheem morris was a head coach back in 2009 2011 but they've had so much success with the rams i think that just this just really screams to me uh either trying to go the rookie route or going through and getting a russell wilson kirk cousins type to be a veteran presence qb here yeah, that was that was the name right there. Russell Wilson was the other one I was thinking of too. Yeah, you know, getting a, a vet and yeah, it's just going to be the uh, you know you want to call it L.A. South, L.A. East, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just moving everything from the Rams on the West Coast to the, the Falcons on the East Coast, and you know, no one better than Raheem Morris to to really know what's going on with the ins and outs of the L.A. Rams locker room. So being able to bring on a guy like Zach Robinson, um, you know, again, familiarity, comfort with each other, and being able to see Zach work day in and day out probably had a good feeling of like hey this guy is ready to be an offensive coordinator 
and when you're talking about a McVeigh system and you're talking about those weapons that everyone has fought, you know, wanted Atlanta to finally utilize, all you're missing is that that signal caller. All you're missing is that signal car. You're gonna have you're gonna have Pitts and you're gonna have London. I mean, they have Van Jefferson who's already familiar with the system. So, like, you know, he might be a, a best ball dart kind of guy just from familiarity aspect. And then you add in Bijan and Algier. Like, this is gonna be this seems like it's going to be a fun offense. I do want to see who's throwing the football to to anybody on this team, but um yeah, I think you have to be optimistic. I, I think anything from what we saw last year with with Arthur Smith and and that whole entire debacle that that has been the Falcons, this is a massive upgrade in my opinion. Not that it matters at all, but I did have to look as you brought up Van Jefferson. He is an unrestricted free agent right now. I mean, wide Fair. receiver four, wide receiver five. Yeah, I mean, on most teams, but he'll be back. He'll be back. Watch. I would assume that if you do have that familiarity with those coaches, unless they just hated him and that was the reason they sent him out. I mean, that that could honestly That's be true. a thing. Just like, hey, we we really didn't like the fit of this guy in our culture, and so we had to kick him out. I don't know what that. I don't know what the reason that he left the Rams is, but. You do have to look at this as a very high improvement for all of the pass catching weapons and even probably Bijan Robinson as well in Atlanta. Now, I don't think that they're going to go away from this two back system. We did not see that in Los Angeles this last year, two years, whatever it's been. But they had Ronnie Rivers and Zach Evans as their two replacement running backs and they actually had to bring in Daryl Henderson off the street as well to give anything of support to Kyron Williams. I, I wouldn't translate. I, I think we really love to look at these like head coaching and these offensive coordinator positions and how they transfer one to one from position to position. But you have an actually like good running back too in Tyler Algier, and I don't think they're going to go away and just be like, "This is." I'm not looking at this as this is the Bijan Robinson launch point and evolution into that. 2000 yard workhorse role that everybody thought was going to happen last year with Arthur Smith. Uh, They've got a very competent running back too. And I still think they use him. I think that this is much more of an improvement for the Kyle Pitts and the Drake Londons. But like you said, you need to get the quarterback in there. If they get that Kirk cousins, or if they get that Russell Wilson, I will be very excited for this offense and its weapons going forward. Yeah. I I think, I think no matter what, it's still a, a positive outlook for this team just from the scheme that it went from. But yeah, I do. I feel the same way with, uh, with Bijan and Algier. They're, they're not going to just, you know, ride Bijan into the ground like they did Kyron. They didn't really have a choice out in LA. Maybe they do split the work a little bit more towards Bijan uh, than what we saw with, uh, with Algier. But in the end, um, again, I'm just optimistic for this team as a whole. So uh, looking forward to that quarterback breakdown when we uh, get some more news there. Let's move on to let's stay in the same division. Let's just go down to the the Panthers here, and they have Dave Canales, offensive coordinator from the Bucks, is now the head coach for the Panthers. And this is a really really good situation in my opinion. I feel like he's he's kind of worked his magic with some quarterbacks in the past, and he has another quarterback project on his hands. So you know, going from Geno, bringing him to top five, you know, uh, production at least fantasy wise. And even I guess NFL wise, you know, he had very good. I think he led the league in um, in completion percentage his year there. And then again, as the actual offensive coordinator in uh, Tampa, has made Baker look very good this past season. So can he do the same thing with I guess the the mess that is Carolina is going to be TBD. But 
does it give you any optimism for this team? It gives me more optimism than say like hiring in a Vrabel would actually give me optimism, right? Um, uh, obviously, we went we went through these and I, I pulled them before. Canales, whenever he was with Gino, he turned Gino into a top five dynasty producing quarterback. Dave Canales leaves. Gino becomes quarterback 19 on the season this year. Uh, Baker, for the first time ever, he's ever been above a top 15 quarterback in dynasty. Dave Canales goes to the uh, Buccaneers as an actual OC. Baker's uh, the 10th ranked quarterback in normal scoring formats in his first year there. So can he do that with Bryce Young? I'm going to say no still because the issue is in Seattle, you had DK Metcalf and you had Tyler Lockett. In Tampa, you had Chris Godwin and you had Mike Evans. In Carolina, you have 35, or actually, no, I'm sorry, 77 year old Adam Thielen, I believe is the actual number. And uh, Jonathan Mingo, I guess, maybe is your second best one. And you don't have your first overall draft pick to actually get anybody. And you're basically going to have to spend probably $40 million to convince a wide receiver to go there and play for you. Uh, it's a much t- it's a much tougher situation than any other one that he's done in the past two years of these reclamation projects. I have hope because he's done it, but there's a lot of other stuff that I think factored into those other situations. Uh, Tepper's still there. I don't know if he'll still have his Monday morning meetings where he just berates and belittles Canales into wanting to quit halfway through the season. We'll see if that happens. Um, I'm not very this one. While I think it's a step in the right direction, I don't think that it ever gets to the full uh, promised land one. I would be, this is one of my, I don't, I don't think it's a bad hire, but I'm not thinking that this is going to turn around the Panthers. I mean, this is what we talked about. Like who wants to take the Panthers job? And, you know, it's a situation that no one really wanted to step into because it seems like it's a dysfunctional organization. Yeah, we're going to have a new GM. We're going to have a head coach. You know, everything's going to change there for the team aspect. Tepper is still there. That is the big thing for for really this organization as a whole. So hopefully everything does settle in. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic. I'm not going to sit here and say that he solves everything because that's not the case. There's so many holes on this roster position wise that that needs to be, you know, fixed still. But, you know, you had the last regime that went out there and said, oh, yeah, we're never going to pay or spend high capital on a wide receiver. And we saw what happened when you bring in Thielen and Chark and Mingo, and it was eh, like at best. Still waiting on that Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Schnault breakout that I was promised. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about them. So, you know, you have all of these, this kind of that mindset. So hopefully we'll, you know, again, new GM, once we get everything figured out in Carolina, what do they do this offseason? Can they actually pay someone enough money to come into Carolina to be the number one? Will they, I mean, they'll have the 33rd overall pick. Like, you know, what are you going to do with that? Are you actually going to be able to spend your, your, you know, your second round pick and, and invest in offense? Uh, what, what else do you have? Like, there's so many holes in this roster that, yes, fantasy wise, we look at like, oh, yeah, we'd love to fill, you know, we'd love to get T. Higgins out there with, you know, p- pick a pick an early second round wide receiver from this class. Awesome. That sounds great. That's just not how NFL football works. So, yes, it's not going to be solved overnight. But there could be some other holes fixed on this team by the time the season rolls around. I do think that this is the first step. Next step is, can you bring in something to help Bryce Young out? 
And I mean, maybe Mingo, they can develop him and, and maybe Thielen can still truck it out another year, but it's, you just it's need four grim. or five offensive linemen. You probably need three more wide receivers and you need probably two more running backs, but you know, yeah, it's not a lot, not a lot to do without a first round <laughs> pick this year. Yeah, it's going to be rough, uh, but it is. I think it is a step in the but right direction. It's a baby. They, they could be the next year's Texans. And they just surprise everybody. It's the NFL. Wilder, wilder things have happened. So don't want to completely write them off, but I'm still not like really excited about anything. Like I'm not going out and yeah. buying Bryce Young shares just because Canals has turned around the other two quarterbacks that he's done. That's fair. That's fair. Same thing with Miles Sanders. You know, he's not going to just go out there and be uh have a resurrection of his career and and be you know Rashad White out there. So uh, that's enough of the Panthers talk. Let's dive in. I mean, we touched on a couple of these other teams that have had some changes. Uh, the Bears, Shane Waldron, officially is the offensive coordinator. We did a breakdown on kind of what our thoughts with Shane Waldron in in Chicago and what that meant for this organization. Anything you want to touch on here with Waldron? No, if you want to hear more about that one and what we think it means for like Justin Fields and company, you can go back to last week, listen to that show. Uh, if you haven't already listened to it, we we broke that one down there. But at that time, we didn't have full confirmation that he was the OC. So I yeah. uh, just wanted to bring that one onto this show, say that it is actually confirmed. If you want any more information, yeah, go back to last week, tap into that one. And we talk about, um, I think we talk about one more in there as well, but um, it, Oh, it's the, not much more to hiring. yeah Kyle hand hiring not much more to break down for this episode though so we can get into some of the other coaching yep. changes that have happened I'll, I'll kind of burn through this one as well Bengals they did uh promote Dan pitcher from within uh since ba- Brian Callahan did leave for Tennessee as we just mentioned we do have pitcher stepping up into that role as offensive coordinator I, I don't really put any too much stock into this I don't think a whole lot is going to change for this team this organization like it's not like there's going to be a philosophical shift in in how this offense runs Zach Taylor's still uh, the head coach and is still the guy that really manages this offense and is is just going to continue doing things the way that they did last year um, anything you want to touch on with the Bengals or, or just keep rolling no I mean just only thing like we saw what a offensive coordinator change could do for a team like Philly this year. So don't discount Dan pitcher, just stepping in and potentially regressing this offense from where it was. We don't know really anything about Dan pitcher as an offensive play caller. So like it could be really good and it could just be keep trucking along at the same Bengals pace that they've been doing for the past three years. Obviously they have the offensive head coach in there already, but just don't discount the, value that a true offensive coordinator can bring to a team like the Bengals. There's some cause for concern, obviously, along with the offensive coordinator change. You don't know if T Higgins is going to come back either. Um, Just don't expect it to be a one for one change, but I'm with you. I I don't expect too much of a drop off here. I will say that the Taylor already did come out and say that he's going to be the play caller for the Bengals. So, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, 90, 95% of what they were probably. Yeah. But yeah, but it has but again, an impact on the team and everything, but it does, it does matter. Yeah. Um, then let's get into the Browns here. And this one, I mean, I'll kind of let you go off on this one here because I do feel like it was a little bit of a surprise uh, to to kind of see the offensive shift considering how well the Browns offense did, I guess, this year with, with uh, Flacco. But Ken Dorsey is now the new offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, interesting, interesting decision after the Browns 
got to the playoffs and I mean, they did get first round bounce, but they succeeded pretty well in the offensive side of the ball for everything that they dealt with. They lost their lead running back. They had four different quarterbacks taking starts throughout the season. And Van Pelt, who was the offensive coordinator here, who is now forget if he's gotten his job yet or not. Um, I think he has gone around and done some other offensive uh, OC candidate roles so far, potentially aligns with one of these new teams that's bringing in a new head coach, but they fired almost all of their entire staff on the offensive side of the ball. The tight ends coach after David Njoku had one of his best years that he's ever had. Uh, like, like I said, Van Pelt as well. So they bring in a new offense coordinator. And this is a name. I didn't see this one actually ever hit the timeline at all, but, Ken Dorsey, the uh, old Bills offensive coordinator who got canned during the middle of the year for defensive struggles, um, ends up as the offensive coordinator for the Browns for the foreseeable future. So this is an interesting one. I actually think this is one that could – I'm interested to know why. I don't think we'll ever actually know why this happened, but I'm interested to see if Van Pelt, who was running this offense, looked at the offense as it was running under him whenever it was like Joe Flacco in there was being like, hey – I'm really a Joe Flacco guy. Like, I think we could actually roll forward with him, and it's probably a better outcome than me running this offense with Deshaun Watson. And you now bring in a guy who's done work with Josh Allen and made him successful with a rushing quarterback profile. Obviously, Watson doesn't have that much of one, but I think potentially Ken Dorsey aligns a little bit better with Deshaun Watson than Van Pelt would have potentially aligned with a Joe Flacco type or any of the other quarterbacks that they've been rolling through there throughout the entire 2023 season. I think this could be a thing to just try to align more philosophically around Deshaun Watson. And I think it's obviously there were problems that appeared during his time in Buffalo, but I don't think that this is really a Ken Dorsey problem. So I, I think this is actually a, at at minimum, a net negative, like a net neutral move for Deshaun Watson in the future. And I think it could actually have positive implications as well. Yeah, just to touch on Van Pelt real fast here. Um, I know he has interviewed for the Bucks offensive coordinator job to reunite potentially with Baker Mayfield in in uh in Tampa. And then I believe the uh Las Vegas Raiders were the other ones that have interviewed him uh, according to to Rap Sheet. So okay. um yeah, so those are the ones that like he's interviewed for. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think you're you're exactly right. I, I think it's someone had to go. It was kind of like a shakeup. Stefanski needed you know needed to do something. It's just kind of scapegoatish. I do think that Stefanski is going to be on the hot seat next year. I know it's not necessarily his fault with again injuries that we've mentioned, quarterback that you traded for, uh, not playing well, and then and then being out. So yeah, there's been some some you know issues there in Cleveland and maybe this will be something that helps uh kind of expedite the turnaround and I do feel like it is something that's going to be more aligned to Deshaun Watson but in the end nothing really changes in me for for, for fantasy purposes Browns are going to be good next year if they're healthy they were obviously good this year with Joe Flacco and all the injuries they had so we'll see how that pans out but I'm not going out of my way to to now just invest in you know certain players just because Ken Dorsey's there no, I don't think so either. Goodness. Okay. Uh, I was just trying to pull up the, uh, r- real quick, the KTC value of a Deshaun Watson and see where you, uh, where you personally have him. Uh, we just got finished talking about him. You brought him up in that, uh, in, in that sentence that you were talking about right there. Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson. Currently, KTC will tell you that it's Baker Mayfield. Wow. What, what is, what is Watson ranked right now? QB he work. is currently the QB 19 in KTC. 
I'd buy. Ones above him include Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff, Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield. Then it's Deshaun Watson, Will Levis, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford. Man, that's interesting. Okay, I mean, I, an I, interesting I list of people sorted do, in a weird way, but I do think the rookies are in there as well right now with you know Caleb yeah, they and, and all. Yeah, so that that makes a little more sense. I was like nineteen, man, but wait, but yeah, I mean, people. Never mind. No, no, no rookies are in yet. Well, that just hurts my feelings then. But yeah, no, I think Deshaun Watson uh, would be a, a, a buy because people are out on it. People are concerned about his, you know, his future um, in the league. But, you know, he has the contract. I do think that they're going to give him the, the opportunity. Man, that's cheap. Um, I, I, I think I might have to to get some shares. I'm not going to go out and just buy them all, but I might have to go get a couple just at that price. It feels like it's a, you know, 50% off sale. So yeah, with a guy that QB, has not pulled up two. QB two overall in dynasty days are uh, it oh. feels like a long, long ways away, but that was where Deshaun Watson was at one point in time was back to back with Patrick Mahomes as the QB two overall. That's wild. That's wild. So speaking of, uh, you know, strong QB play, we, we have a, another hire for the Philadelphia Eagles and one Kellen Moore who has worked with, you know, Dak Prescott didn't really, I mean, they tried to work with uh, with Justin Herbert this year. Didn't work out that well in season. Now he's going to go work with one Jalen Hurts for the Cowboys rival. So very interesting. I think it's a very good hire for Philadelphia. They needed an offensive shakeup they, in the worst. They needed an offensive and defensive shakeup in the worst way based on how that season ended. And I think Helen Moore is a, a good fit. Uh, I, I'm not out here thinking it's going to be you know, a world beater of a team, but you know when you have weapons like AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, and uh, and and Smitty, not to mention whatever they end up deciding to do with the backfield and Jalen Hurts, Kellen Moore is going to have a ton of fun in Philadelphia, I I think, and going to be very interested to see how they use Dallas Goddard as well. So. Really, fantasy wise, overall thoughts, how happy are you, or how, you know, for fantasy purposes, are you excited at all for Kellen Moore? I'm, I'm definitely excited more so than I think the general consensus is of just like NFL people. It's, it's interesting that Kellen Moore has gone from like one of these, like he's going to get head coaching job in the next two years to, I don't even want him as my offensive coordinator in the past two years. Like that shift has happened pretty drastically. I don't, I think he was dealt a pretty bad hand in LA. Um, You have basically your entire team effectively in my mind, like quitting on you and the other half of it was injured and on IR. I don't don't know. I don't know how much you're going to really be able to do with that situation. It it was kind of, it's, I don't take anything really away from the LAC job. I'm looking more back to what he looked like when, during his time with Dallas. And like you said, I think there's two things that one, I mean, one, I'm interested to see how he does with a rushing profile quarterback. Cause I don't think we've really ever seen that. Obviously Dak and Justin Herbert do have a rushing floor, but they're obviously nowhere near the rushing profile of Jalen Hurts. So I'm interested to see that one. And then I'm, I'm honestly just pushing away the wide receivers. I think they're, they're going to still be a concentrated offense. It's still going to be AJ Brown Smitty. I'm interested in what you said. He's always had very good tight end usage. So I'm interested to see what that looks like with Dallas Goddard. And I'm really interested to see what this backfield looks like in 2024. That's the biggest thing for me. Cause as much as people say that Kellen Moore has this narrative of being a pass happy quarter, a pass happy offensive coordinator, he's consistently inside like the top six of rushing attempts year over year over year. 
So I'm very, that's probably the biggest one for me actually is just looking to see who actually ends up here as the running back, whether that's DeAndre Swift being brought back, whether that's one of these other 25 free agents that we also have from this 2017 draft class. It's going to be awesome to see what this uh, backfield looks like moving forward. Guess who's a free agent? Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. Zeke Elliott. No, I'm just kidding. You do not want to put those two together, actually. That's very (laughs) much. Not those two together, but like, you know, at least you have two guys of a profile that that he likes to use or has used in the past. I mean, you have big time bruisers. Obviously, there's Saquon, there's Derrick Henry. Like, there's there's a lot of things, depending on the money that's, you know, people want to allocate to the running back position. Is like, again, the running back contract market will be another fun one to monitor in March. But um, I do think that there's one. I mean, I think Swift could, again, be be there, but they've always had, or Kellen Moore loves to use the 1A, 1B. Hopefully that's what they do, unless Jalen Hurts is the 1A, and like a Pollard or a Swift or something like that is going to be a 1B. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that the backfield shakeup is something I want to look at too, just because they have used the running back position. They've put up really good fantasy producers from that position in the past too. Yeah, and look, looking at it, because we do actually have the data right here from uh, Sports Reference, rushing offensive in terms of attempts, not actually top six year over year, but eighth overall with the Cowboys, 15th, 12th, 6th. So they're typically within that top half and potentially in that top 10 of rushing attempts from the running back position or just in terms of total rushing attempts. And I expect that number to go up when you have a Jalen Hurts type compared to a Dak as well so um, i'm very excited to see what this russian game looks like for the philadelphia eagles in 2023 or 2024 yeah so then we'll move on to to a couple other positions that are still still some question marks in the air with uh, the new england patriots right now obviously mayo has been uh, the head coach we have no actual news at all as far as the offensive coordinator position so that one is still tbd anything you want to touch on with the patriots at all or just kind of move on to no i don't really have anything with them it's we'll again well like you said we'll we'll see what happens with them it's kind of a mystery right now as to what's going to happen with that oc job i don't think there's really um let's see they have nick Kaylee, tanner engstrand and brian flurry um as offensive coordinator interview requests nice yeah those are names those are definitely names of real people. Uh, I know. I know they, they mentioned Scott Turner was another one that they've uh, been interested in interviewing for the the offensive coordinator position. But yeah, I mean, it's I, it just feels very Patriots esque. Like it, I, I I hope the best for, for for Mayo and his tenure there, but it just feels like nothing's changed. Like Belichick is out the door, but they're just going to do the same old song and dance. Um, well, I mean, it feels like the, the only thing that might happen is they actually try to lean a little bit more into the tank because Belichick won't be trying to go for 15 more wins to hit the record. Like that feels like the only shift that's actually happened in that building. Yeah, I know they've also wanted to interview Luke Getze, Um, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll move on and, and just go to the Raiders. I know we at the time it was like. It would be mutiny if it didn't happen, but Antonio Pierce is officially the uh, Oakland Raiders head coach. That is official. As I mentioned earlier with Van Pelt uh, wanting to interview or interviewing with that offensive coordinator position, the OC is still up in the air. 
any other news for the Raiders at all? I mean, I, I'm happy with the hire. It feels like the team is going to be very happy. They don't have to trade Max Crosby now. That's all good news. Yeah, you're in a you're in a very difficult division now with Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Jim Harbaugh, who's going to be the guy that we're going to be talking about here in just a second. I like Antonio Pierce. I think it was probably the move that the Raiders had to make, and I still think they're the, by far the worst team in this division. So um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how long this really lasts going forward. Yep. And uh, they missed out on Zach Robinson because that was one that they were interviewed as well. So we shall see. Again, tough situation to be in for, for the Raiders. Tough, tough, tough. But as you mentioned, let's dive into their rival. And the the hire that everyone had wanted this offseason was one Jim Harbaugh. And it is officially official, like a referee with a whistle. And we have Jim Harbaugh as the, as the head coach for the L.A. Chargers. I know. Just that was, mute. That was a rough one. Just mute me. Just dad jokes out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... We have Jim Harbaugh there, offensive coordinator, still TBD. There was rumor of Kellen Moore interviewing, but obviously that can't happen anymore. There's obviously the name of Greg Roman still out there. What are your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and kind of the the situation of Herbert Chargers as a whole now? I'm still questionable on where I exactly sit on this one from an offensive scheme situation. However, head coaching situation, I mean, I've been saying throughout this entire coaching cycle, and as we've been having these overreaction pods for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about these head coaching vacancies and hirings because it's pretty much most of the NFL news that's happening right now. I have always said my top three list, top four list, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh. And the only one that's actually gotten hired so far, and it looks like the only one that will get hired, is Jim Harbaugh. I think this is a absolute smash win for the LA Chargers. Spanos family finally paying up, trying trying to buck the uh, the buck the trend of the we don't pay anything and we're cheap organization. Jim Harbaugh is getting a lot of money to coach there. I don't know exactly what that number is, but it's going to be a lot of money to get Jim Harbaugh to come from the collegiate ranks where he was given the highest paying coaching salary, and that was on the table to leave to go to the NFL. It's going to be a juicy contract that he just got there. Um, I think that this team needed an overall culture shift and change. They, they've been a pretty, I mean, not to just stereotype, but they've been a pretty weak L.A. Coast ty- style type of team right now uh, for the past probably six, seven years, really. And they, they've had this curse hanging over them that they can never actually get over the hump and win. They just barely make the playoffs if they do anything. Jim Harbaugh is that culture reset that I think this team needs. Now, we're not here to really talk about the NFL side of things, right? We're here to talk about is this, what does this mean for Justin Herbert? And the general consensus right now is that this is awful. He's only going to pass the ball 470 times a year. He's going to have to rely on efficiency without any weapons as he's currently sitting there because we don't know what the future is of Mike Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. What do you think about with this offensive side of the ball? I'm not nearly as bearish as I've seen a lot of people be, but I do have some cause for concern and I understand why it's there. Yeah. I think the, 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 the anticipation is, is like, Oh, they're just going to run it back. Like he did with San Francisco with Greg Roman as the OC. That's why I brought the name up. Uh, obviously 
I don't have that anticipation. There's another name out here I'm about to bring up that that uh, I think might give people some optimism. So if you're able to go out there and buy some Justin Herbert on the on the fact that they think that they're going to run the ball, uh, you know, 60 times a game and only throw it 20, then go find that league mate that's willing to sell you Justin Herbert. I will be a buyer everywhere if I can go get some. I'm not really worried about it. I, I get the sentiment behind it, but I think that no matter what they end up doing, they're going to have an efficient offense. They know how to you know, use the quarterback position. There are some holes on this Chargers team. Let's not pretend that they're just you know flush you know, with good wide receivers. And if they're healthy, sure. But the problem is you have an aging Keenan Allen. You have an oft-injured Mike Williams. You have QJ, who i don't want to say he's a bust yet but he has some work to do and then you obviously have josh palmer lots of changing situations you know for for la obviously they have the number five overall pick which could be a wide receiver could be a tight end so things could change but the report is that the la chargers are interviewing or requested actually i think they did actually interview marcus brady for the offensive coordinator position now, why this is important is because right now he was an offensive, uh, I believe, his assistant with Philly. But before that, he was with the Colts for five years. And he actually helped Andrew Luck finish with one of the best seasons of his career, where he threw for over 4,500 yards, almost 40 touchdowns. And so, you know, he has experience working with high caliber quarterbacks. And regardless of what you feel, Justin Herbert's a high caliber quarterback in the NFL. He's one of the best there is. So they do need some pieces in place, um, but that would give me some real optimism if they were able to promote him because he was, uh, I believe, he was the quarterbacks coach, and he helped finish, you know, Philip Rivers with some, you know, his dump offs when he was in Philly or was when he was in uh, Indy. So there's there's some ties here to some quarterbacks where and, and an offensive system that I think would be really exciting for Justin Herbert. So that would be the one. If that happens, um, I think the window would shut for your buy window. But if anyone's panicked about jo- John or John, I keep calling John Harbaugh because of the of the Ravens. It, uh, Jim I'm, Harbaugh, I'm there I'm as well. For mess those two up every single time and switch them <laughs> up. I think that John is in LA and Jim is in Baltimore every single time. But interestingly, like I, I don't know if we just sit in our own little like siloed fantasy circles sometimes a little bit too much but justin herbert has actually risen by two positional spots on ktc since three days ago um so maybe the general consensus is that this is better i personally haven't seen that it's been the other way that i've seen on my timeline and everything that's coming through on my end but uh it may may not be for everybody uh in in all of your leagues that this is a looked at as a negative but i've certainly seen the sentiment out there i understand why the sentiment is there as well but like you said i think a lot of things can change from the offensive coordinator position that jim harbaugh doesn't really have he will have his philosophy and he will probably win with physical toughness hard-minded nfl football and i don't think that's changing but i do think that there are levels depending upon what we look at as the offensive coordinator rolls through and i think the biggest thing is just like how much does this team lean into the we're going to burn it down to the ground and rebuild the culture from the bottom up because you do have the free agents of austin neckler you have the cut candidates of keenan allen and mike williams if all of those things are gone and your best wide receiver is probably josh palmer at that point um it's 
it's going to look really bad in the streets of, of LAC there. Um, maybe they actually use that fifth overall pick. Everybody's mocking the Malik neighbors, Brock Bowers to get that tight end that Jim Harbaugh really loves to use. But even then, like if they do cut all the rest of the vets on this team, it's going to be really hard to move the football in year one. So I'm more interested about what the team overall direction is than I am the offensive coordinator hiring here. I think there's a lot more at play for Justin Herbert in 2024 than just who's calling plays for him. But I do like this overall for the organization, and I think that this will help the long-term effects of Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think uh, th- that is one thing to note that the Chargers have a lot of cut candidates, not only on offense, but on defense that are some big names with some big money tied to them. So what decisions they decide to do? Can they bring in some other playmakers for this offense that they do decide to cut Keenan and uh, and Mike will uh, do they, as you mentioned, draft someone, uh, whether that's Bowers or Malik neighbors, very important pieces to this puzzle. So uh, they could be a decent team. Um, but they could very well burn it to the ground. So uh, after we'll, we'll have to chat about some things because I'm very interested to see what actually does take place here. But uh, let's wrap things up with this uh, head coaching search with the final two openings, which is Washington and Seattle. And let's just go with Washington. Obviously, the Lions were still in until this past week. They have interviewed Ben Johnson. I believe the second interview scheduled us as well as Aaron Glenn. So the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator for the Lions. Mike McDonald, the Ravens also lost, has his interview scheduled, up-and-coming defensive coordinator um, for the Ravens currently. And then they've also interviewed Dan Quinn, Eric Bieniemy, Bobby Slowick. But it seems like it's Bieniemy. I think they're banking on Ben Johnson is what they're banking on. Bieniemy is like that kind of backup plan potentially. Um, but it, they're just banking on Ben Johnson, in my opinion. That's I've all heard hoping for. absolutely nothing about the enemy even being considered for this role. Um, that's, I think they, I think they had to do the interview. I think at this point we know like it kind of sucks and like everybody's going to have a larger conversation about this, but the enemy is not fit to be a head coach. I'm sorry. You don't go through this many interviews, something about him as a person, as a coach in these rooms just doesn't scream probably leader of men to the NFL organizations. Just, just the way it is from the outside. There's too much data to suggest anything else at this point. Um, I, I don't really see that going any other way. Uh, so it sounds like the enemy might. You know, I, I'm interested to see if he goes as an OC somewhere, though. Um, I think oh, there's yeah. still some really good spots open, and he could definitely be an OC for a team. And I think he has that role. But not everybody in the NFL is served to be a head coach. Some people are just better as a positional coach or as a coordinator role. And I think that is what we found out with. Eric Bieniemy is that he's good in that role, but he's probably not good as a head coach role. We'll see if he ever gets there, but it's looking bleaker and bleaker every single day, every, you know, on his 40th interview, it feels like at this point over the past couple of years, probably not going to happen. I am interested. Obviously you said, I I think Ben Johnson is the name that's been linked to this team. And I'm going to, I'm going to lump in the Seattle team as well with Dan Quinn. That was interesting on McAfee show today on Monday that Adam Schefter was on the show and he was saying, I would bet one or both of those do not happen. I would put good money on one or both of those do not happen. And so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think we've, we've, kind of penciled these two in for a long time for these two teams, but they've been the ones to take the longest time throughout the process as well. And I do think that that means they're probably looking at every scenario, every candidate 
really in depth here. And so we'll see. I mean, legitimately, the, the Lions could have both coordinators back. They're definitely not losing both. I don't think Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson are both leaving to these two roles. And so you at least have a coordinator back for the Lions, which nobody thought was even going to happen. Everybody thought they were going to be the Philadelphia Eagles of last year. Um, good, good for the Lions. Good for these teams moving forward that are going to be able to retain their uh, retain their guys. So it'll be interesting to see what these two teams do going forward. And I think we'll probably see that over the next week or two, unless it's a team that's in the championship game that gets a coaching position. But truthfully, out of these lists that we're looking at right now, nobody of the Kansas City Chiefs are being looked at. Like it's not like Spags is being looked at as the DC to go somewhere as a head coach. Nobody on the uh, nobody on the 49ers side of the ball is really up for that head coaching role either. So I think we will see both of these positions filled probably here over the next week or two. Yeah, I agree. I think the other name it was Vrabel that was brought up for Seattle. Um, it seems like Ben Johnson is obviously in consideration there, as he should be. Mike McDonald is the other one. If it's not um, Dan Quinn, the, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, as mentioned earlier. But I, I not everyone can get a head coaching job right now. So it really comes down to two of these guys that have interviewed are going to end up there. I, I don't know. Uh, no one knows really, right? Like everyone thinks Ben Johnson's favorite for Washington and, and Dan Quinn for Seattle, but uh, we very well may see Vrabel sneak in somewhere. I don't think hoodie is, is coaching this year at all. I don't think he wants to go to either of these situations or, or I mean, no one's going to give him the power that he wants, at least at this point. So nobody's um, even interviewed. Like he's yeah, so only other the Falcons, the Falcons. that was a wrap, yeah. But yeah, any other names that come up? I I know Clint Kubiak has been mentioned at least in the offensive coordinator circles and things like that. But really, I mean, it feels like a lot of these guys should go back to their situations. Other than other than Ben Johnson, I think Ben's might be ready, but does he I want think, these positions? Yeah, I, I would honestly, if I I've been wrong every single time that I put a guess out there uh, on onto either like just texting random people or putting it onto like Twitter or something. I've been wrong every single time. So don't definitely do not, not financial advice. Do not back me with actual money on these. If I had to guess though, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. I'm going to say that it's Ben Johnson to Washington. And I'm going to say it's Mike McDonald to Seattle. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I would love to see, Ben Johnson turned down Washington and go to Seattle. I would love to see Ben Johnson in Seattle just to what, what can he do with that offense with the, with those players uh, would be a lot of fun, but it seems like Seattle is. It's also it's, hard to turn down having the opportunity to coach the number two overall pick in the draft. Very true. Very true. And, and with the, the way that that Washington team, I mean, from the circles that we've heard Reyes come in and talk about, um, talked about how Washington is perceived right now as actually a destination where players want to play with the ownership change, things like that. Ben Johnson would be a big piece to that puzzle as far as changing the culture and, and really how Washington is viewed, the locker room aspect. Um, and then again, being able to have the number two overall, overall pick potentially go after and get Caleb uh, would be something of interest. So yeah, I, I get the allure of Washington and it seems like, I mean, if, honestly, if they don't get Ben Johnson, I don't know what Washington's plans would be. Like, honestly, it feels like they have just put all of their eggs in that basket and anything else would be an absolute failure. So uh, hopefully Ben Johnson gets given the keys and uh, the pocketbook of ownership. 
I know that there was actually some talk about it could be actually Dan Quinn as well. Um, yeah, I know, yeah, I know but, he was gaining some steam in the Washington circles as well over the past 24 hours or so. You know, that's not what they want. Like, yes, he's a good name. But I get it. I, you know what he's done defensively, but like, that's not what Washington wants. That's they want Ben Johnson. They want, like, like you just said, they're going to draft a quarterback. Like they have the number two overall pick. They're going to do it. it, it yeah. That's just the, it would be an epic fail if they can't just, I, I don't care what it is. Just th- throw money at him. Just make it happen. He's a, he's a coach. It doesn't go against your, you know, your, your salary cap. Like just throw him money. And if it fails, it fails. But hey, that's, that's how you become relevant again. You just got to tell him, Hey, look, I'm sorry. I'm getting paid up in Detroit. They, they gave me a bonus and I'm just going to stay up here biting off kneecaps and going for it on fourth down and losing games. Cause I won't kick field goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that that is that could happen too. That could happen too. Detroit would be. I mean, Detroit would be happy. I think fantasy fans would be happy. Jared Goff owners would be happy. But yeah, again, last couple spots. I do think Seattle would be is going to. I would love to see Ben Johnson there just because of those pieces. But if Quinn goes there. Who's the offensive coordinator? How does that culture shift? How does those types of things change? Two very interesting situations with fantasy relevant impact to still TBD. But anything else you want to jump into with coaching or on these last two teams before we go? Now, all that we can do is just sit here and project. And that's what we're about to do for the next five months, probably eight months, actually, until we get uh, past the NFL draft. There's a lot of things happening along the way. Senior Bowl, Pro Days, Combines, NFL Draft, Free Agency, uh, fifth-year option tags, everything along the way, OTAs, mini camps. So much fun. Hard Knocks is going to come back around for another year. Who gets Hard Knocks? I'm interested to see. It's always a good time, a good show. Probably more so. They're probably more hyped than it is actually good. But I'm going to watch it every time because I miss football by that point. And enjoy the last little bit of football that we do have. Uh, UFLs kicking off as well here mid-March, I believe, too. Definitely going to get a fantasy league up and running for the yeah. UFL as long as I don't have to manually input numbers, which I probably will and probably won't happen. So I'm so excited. Like you said, that there is legitimately a part of me that likes this portion of football and especially fantasy football, even more so than the actual NFL season, because it feels like you're just trying to stay afloat for 17 weeks straight. This portion of the season, we get to reflect, we get to look forward, we get to do more process stuff for you all going forward. A lot less overreaction because there's not as much to overreact to. Um, it, it's a fantastic part of the season. will be absolutely fantastic to be back on draft streams and stuff like that again. So looking forward to the rest of the season, but it is a lot of projection. Don't get it twisted. There is a lot of stuff that we will probably start to put way too much emphasis on over the next eight months. So we'll, we'll overreact. Exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a great time of year. Again, make sure you're tapped in destination Check out all the articles and the tools that we have the Trinity Trinity tool, uh, as well as war, the war machine and, and everything that has, that is going on there. JV has done some awesome work, Ray and Scott constantly working on that as well, uh, to make sure that that is the best possible tool that you can use for fantasy and then make sure you are part of the community. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Destination 5 tier is going to be the tier for you. So you have nonstop access to all the content creators here at Destination Debbie, including Scott, Ray, all of the DTI 5 crew, anyone and everyone. 
voice chat us of course we're there from time to time just kidding we're there a lot um but yeah you know if you want to hear hear us or or uh bs with us in voice chat we'll have a lot of fun there too but man truly truly exciting times ahead and by the time everyone is done listening to this make sure you go over to twitter trophy chase tfdr cody smith tfdr make sure you're following ray scott and jay rich for all their senior bowl breakdowns because that is where i'm going to be is on x following and seeing what's going on there it'll be a lot of fun a lot of fun going through this next week and can't wait to see you back here next week on the overreaction podcast 